0: Love Talk
1: Radio. You're listening to Eye of the Future with your host,
0: Lady Fontaine, co-host Dr. Gene Cirillo, Julie Zellman, and Frank Tadaro This is Eye of the Future. Lady
2: Fontaine. Thank you, Frank. This is Lady Fontaine and Dr. Jean Cirillo. And we're here every Tuesday evening at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to talk about love, career, life, and whatever is on your mind. So give us a call at 646 381 4141 to get the best of both worlds as Dr. Jean Cirillo and I take your calls. Later tonight, we have author and relationship expert Rhonda Finling with us, and she'll be talking about her book, Don't Call That Man, and teaching us how to let go and understand better why we hang on to unfulfilling relationships as she gives us the tools to make smarter choices we will be taking calls along with Dr. Jean Cirillo and I later in the evening, so we have a great show in store for you tonight. Our number, again, is 646-381-4141. The switchboard is open, and we're waiting for your call. The switchboard's already lighting up, so don't forget to give us a call. First of all, I want to apologize to all the listeners for last week. Um, if you tuned in and we you were listening to a... Um, a repeat show i was feeling under the weather so i wasn't able to do the show last week so we wanted to at least have something on so i appreciate that you're tuning back with us this week and um in general i had quite a week (laughs) i really did but i'll tell you one one very interesting thing comes out of being sick i found anyhow and that is that you really get to see who your friends are Um, And I guess it works on the flip side, that you really get to see people who aren't, you know, who claim to be your friends but aren't necessarily, um, you know, there when you need them. But fortunately, the majority of people I know were there, and it was really quite heartwarming when something like that happens and you have so many people in your life that do jump up and, you know, really step in and offer to help in in a lot of ways because I ended up being in the hospital for a couple days and I had, like, round-the-clock help here with my dogs, and nobody had planned it. They just, you know, chipped in and did what, what they had to do. So, you know, to all my friends out there, thanks a million for being there for me um, for the past, you know, several days and, and a week for sure. Um, you know, on our last live show on March 31st, um, before I got sick, we talked a lot about the concept of not chasing after men who don't honor you. And, Frank, I thought a lot about a comment that you make. You had commented that you felt that we shouldn't have to play all these games in relationships yeah. and that if you're not getting what you really want in a, in a relationship, just move on. Well, I wanted to comment about that tonight. Um, in an ideal situation, that's exactly what we hope for, meaning that if we're not really getting what, we, what, what, what really fulfills us in a relationship, that we will, that we will be able to move on. But more often than not, both men and women hold on to a fantasy or a memory or an ideal of a relationship and allow a partner to make unrealistic demands on the relationship. And ultimately, so often it ends up being totally on your partner's terms. Some of the advice that we gave on that relationship show a couple of weeks ago was designed to help the listener have some tools to help shift them into a healthier approach that could yield better results. But I do have to agree with Frank. The bottom line always is to honor yourself, because if you don't, no one else will. If you're allowing a man or a woman to walk all over you, or if you're allowing a man or a woman to physically or emotionally hurt or abuse you, you're not honoring yourself. But sometimes before we walk away, we want to give it that one more try, The techniques that we talk about are designed to give you options which could actually yield better results. But I agree, bottom line, in an ideal world, we shouldn't have to play all these games. We should stay true to the concept that if a person does not honor and appreciate you, then move on. Always, and I repeat always, strive to honor yourself. And if you don't know if you're honoring or dishonoring yourself, listen carefully if your partner consistently does not act in a caring, loving way or doesn't appreciate you, if they consistently make promises and consistently break them, when simple things like um, calling, you know, even with simple things like calling or being on time, if you stay in a relationship like that, you're dishonoring yourself. So when we give you advice, we are suggesting ways for you to begin to honor yourself. These techniques, can help you to respond in a more appropriate way to get the results you desire. If you don't get those those desires, then I agree wholeheartedly. It may be time to think about moving on. So does that make more sense to you guys?
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think a couple things in there are really important. Uh, one of the first things you said about holding on to a fantasy. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times that's exactly what people do. They're not really in the relationship that they're in. They're in a relationship in their head, something that from the beginning they had a fantasy about what the relationship should be. Right. And the reason they can't honor themselves or figure out that it's not a good relationship is because they're still living in some sort of fantasy of, right. of who the person is or what it's supposed to look like, and they're not living in a reality.
0: It's interesting you say, you say the fantasy thing, because I, I feel like that's not just applied on the other person, but for yourself as well. Um, there are different people in the world, and they are very different, very varied types of people in the world, and the cookie-cutter, Ross and Rachel type of romance is not for them, but they want to think it's for them, because that's what they're told is what a relationship is like. So it's not only just trying to uh, apply these rules to your mate or your potential mate, but to yourself as well. When you know what, that just might not work for you.
3: That's absolutely true. I'm I, I thinking of a specific couple, actually. A couple so I know I. who got who, yeah, <laughs> but it's a couple that I know who got married, and on paper they seemed so perfect for each other. And I remember when they got divorced about three years after their marriage, everyone was shocked. They all said, "My God, that 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 you guys were so perfect for each other." And what went wrong? And I remember the girl said, I thought this is what I was supposed to do. And everybody was telling me, this guy's perfect for me. And on paper, he's perfect. And I thought I was supposed to be with this type of person. Hmm. And then once they got married, she was just miserable. (laughs) And it wasn't what she was supposed to be in. And you're right, Frank. It wasn't about... The fantasy of the person, and that they weren't living up to expectations. It was the fantasy of the entire relationship.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: and that's I, so I, often what we do because we grow up.
2: I mean, what what little girl, especially, isn't um, told from the time they're, you know, a youngster about the, you know, getting married and having a big wedding and all this other kind of stuff? And it becomes like who can get to the altar first? And if God right. you forbids you're past twenty or twenty-five or anything like that. I mean, nowadays it's it it's, a little bit different than it was you know 10 or 15 or 20 years ago because women are getting married men and women are getting married later but you know there was a point that you know you're right out of high school or college and everyone was getting married and if you didn't do that then something had
3: to be wrong with you and now it's time for lisa staltari's astrological weekly report
5: Hi, this is Lisa with the Starline Report. Aries, your birthday month is coming to a close. It's time to make certain you have whisked upon enough candles. Mercury goes retrograde on the 18th in your money zone. This is an excellent time to review your money flow and try to fix what can be fixed. Taurus, a friend's support and understanding is a great gift to you on the 17th. Someone admires you from afar or maybe even a little closer on the 18th. Bask in their admiration. Mercury retrogrades in your sign. A feeling of deja vu may permeate your life. Your birthday month arrives on the 19th. Celebrate. Gemini, a week in which you are surrounded by people, and yet you're not sure, truly, who has your back. On the 17th and 18th, the people who are your greatest cheerleaders will shine through. Your ruler Mercury, goes retrograde until May 11th. Things that have had to be hidden will now be revealed. Cancer, remember that brass ring? The one you've been chasing for so long? This week sees you finally get a grip on it, and in a way you hadn't imagined. Circle the 18th as a very positive day when your plans get the green light. Leo, you are at your best when you can see the big picture of things. And this week's energies permit you to do just that. A professional achievement on the 17th and 18th has you reaping the rewards of past efforts. Mercury goes retrograde in your career zone from the 18th to May 11th. The past could come hauling. Virgo, figuring out the financial plan for your life is the major focus this week. On the 18th, you are surprised at how the universe works things out for you in an almost effortless fashion. Your ruler, Mercury, goes retrograde on the 18th. Travel, long-distance affairs, and legal red tape may be a little bit more complex. Take it one step at a time. Libra, the emphasis on relationships continues. You are definitely in the mood to sort things out with a partner. Your ruler, Venus, smiles at lucky Jupiter on the 17th. And you are amazed at how things sort themselves out at work. On the 18th, a partner shows you what real love is all about and touches your heart in a special way. Scorpio, you are still working around the clock to get everything done. But on the 17th, you may just get a little nudge from the universe that says, It's time to play. Take some time to smell those darn roses. The sun moves into your marriage zone on the 19th. Focus your attention on what really matters in your life. Sagittarius, a lucky decision on the 17th has some very positive results for you. You should be able to breathe a little easier now. A lively romantic moment could be yours on the 18th. Mercury retrogrades in your work zone. Could there be previous employers or work situations that come calling again? Could be. Capricorn, all this focus on your home life this past month has you feeling a little stir-crazy. A romantic moment could be yours on the 17th. Make certain you clear your schedule. The 18th is an excellent day for all matters having to do with real estate. After the 19th, the one that got away might come calling again. Aquarius, changes to your everyday routine are sometimes good. It can help you maximize your efforts and truly see progress. A very profitable day on the 17th may have something to do with recent domestic decisions. Words of love warm your heart on the 18th. After the 19th, it's time to hunker down and focus on your home life. Pisces, money matters still dominate for most of the week. On the 17th, you receive information that has you smiling. On the 18th, a money matter finally gets the green light. And you are amazed at how easily things can sometimes flow. After the 19th, you are focused and determined to make progress. This is Lisa with the Starline Report. Always remember to follow your star.
2: Well, there was some interesting stuff for me this week um, that Lisa went over. So I hope that she had some good predictions for you guys. Um, anything that you got, anybody wants to talk about?
3: I loved what she said for me because for uh, Libra, she said something with work. Is Ooh. going to work itself out, Ooh, and good. then so
2: how many closings are you going to have this? Well, time? that's
3: what was so interesting is that a couple of signs later, she talked about real estate, Ooh. and my uh, client slash friend, because she's a friend, I happen to know her sign, which normally I would not know my real estate client signs, but she was mentioned there as having a real estate, uh, positive real estate uh, situation. So I'm oh, very good. happy. Good. Oh,
2: good, I'm glad that you are. That's good. Anybody else have anything they want to talk about?
3: Hey, Dr.
2: Jean, I'm I'm on
6: now. Yay. 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 Well, welcome to the show. (laughs) Well, thank you. I don't know how long I'll be here, so, you know, let's make the most of it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, yeah, well, it's good to see you. I don't know what's
2: going on with Blog Talk Radio, but um, thank God that you're here right now. Um, Were
6: you able to hear the Starline report? Uh, no, I just heard uh, this person talking about real estate. Oh, that was Julie. Yes, yes. Um, so, have you had any psychic impressions lately, uh, uh, Dr. Spiller? Did you know that I was going to get sick? <laughs> no, but I was thinking that what happened with the mine disaster—that you might have—you know—they they, they breathe it in the uh, the methane gas, and that you being so sensitive might have gotten some kind of a head cold or or felt their pain in in, a psychic, uh, sympathetic way. That happens, unfortunately, a lot to psychics. Right, and that
2: very likely could be. um, You know, it it definitely could be because the timing of that, I mean, it was the same day that I got sick. Does anybody know when that disaster happened? Because I didn't even know about it in the morning because I wasn't feeling well. Um, And then when I was in the hospital watching TV, I saw it. So did that happen in the morning, that that mine. Um, disaster? I, noticed
6: I know noticed that change of
2: shift. I don't know what time, though. Because wouldn't that be ironic if it happened at the same exact time?
3: Yeah, we'll have to look into that. Yeah.
2: Ooh, da 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 Ooh. I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, we have a very, very special guest tonight. Um, She's an author and relationship expert who has appeared on TV shows such as CNN, Ricky Lake, Geraldo, Maury Povich, um, Good Day New York, and Eyewitness News, and dozens of other TV and radio shows. She lectures and does workshops all around the world. We are pleased to introduce to you, author of the world-renowned book, Don't Call That Man, Rhonda Finling. Rhonda, are you with us?
7: Uh, Yes. Can you hear me?
2: Yes. Um, Rhonda, we've been talking a lot about relationships the past several weeks and what we can do to improve them. I'm hoping that you could shed some light on what we should do when relationships aren't working and how to let go. When I read your book, Don't Call That Man, I was delighted to see that. It's more about letting go of relationships and and giving you the tools to learn how um, not to call a man, but more importantly, to really help you through that whole process of understanding why we get so hooked on relationships and what holds us to these guys rather than just, you know, okay, so don't pick up that phone and call. Um, But why do do women actually hang on to men and relationships that really don't work for them?
7: Well, sometimes they just feel uh, an attachment to a particular man. They just may really like and be very highly attracted to him. It's just a natural reason that it's just sort of a logical kind of reason. You know, just like really like somebody a lot, it's hard to give them up because you don't know if you're ever going to meet somebody in, in at, least, <clears throat> at least soon who they're going to like as much as them or be as highly attracted to them. Um, that's one reason. Another one is if you have a viable relationship with them, uh, you know, it's just hard to let go of an attachment in general. It goes against our nature, I think we're sort of um, built to attach to people, which may, in, helps civilization grow, is to attach and bond. Um, so I think our brain is just sort of mechanized to uh, you know to, to not detach. Um, so I think it, that's another reason. and it's just painful. It just hurts, and people don't want to go through pain, which is understandable. Unfortunately, though, sometimes if we, get in, if we bond to somebody who's not good for us and is actually destructive to us, um, it's actually more pain to stay right. with the person. So it comes down to survival, if, uh, uh, which is the lesser of a two evils: stay with the person and be in agony and be hurt, and, and that pain, or let go of them. And eventually, when you detach from them, there will be no pain from the person, but you have to go through a different kind of pain and suffering to let go of them. Right. But
6: that's growth pain. It's a more positive kind of pain, you have said. If you have to suffer, this at least leads to getting away and getting on with your life and uh, moving to the next chapter, whereas staying with them just makes the pain go on and on and uh, never really resolves anything. That's a bad kind of pain. It's not psychologically healthy. The pain of losing them and, and grieving the loss is, is healthier. I I know, and, you know, I talk to, and I'm
2: sure, Rhonda, you must as well, and even uh, Dr. Cirilli, you must as well. Um, You know, between all of us, we probably talk to hundreds upon hundreds or thousands of people on the course of any given, you know, week or month, and I can't tell you how many people that I personally speak to are so afraid to let go.
7: You mean uh, when you say let go, in the sense of in their mind, or are they actually still having the relationship?
2: Still having the relationship,
7: and so, but sometimes that's why I want to clarify, because I talk to so many people who, just about letting go, you know, who are in different kind of situations. So, if somebody is actually married to the person, has children with them, and they're involved financially with them, it's, uh, that could be a realistic reason why they don't want to let go. Mm-hmm. There's lives that are going to completely be changed, and the children are going to be strongly affected. Uh, it's almost an understandable reason why they don't want to let go. But sometimes, I'll hear stories, I'm sure you do also, of women who are in situations where nothing bad is going to happen if they let go. I mean, uh, they don't even work together. They don't depend on the man for money. They sometimes make more money than the guy. Um, it's like just not going to have any impact on their life to let go of the relationship. And that's when I think it's more of a serious problem, because there's it, really um, nothing really keeping um, them, you know, there's no reason they have to be there with that guy. And it might but not have
3: I even love been... him. <laughs> right, I was going to say, it might not have even been a real relationship. It could have been just three, four dates, and I've seen that with friends of mine. Oh,
2: yeah. I see that often, that, you know, something starts off very, very strong, um, and there's one or two or three either dates or conversations even, especially with all the meeting people online, and then a vibe just disappears. And I've seen women hold on for, you know, days, weeks, months, and years. Yeah. That's what I call to the dream. And
7: those examples, when they're holding on, are they calling them and contacting them or texting them, or are they... I've seen about...
3: both. I've seen both. I've seen what, what Lady Fontaine is saying, that they call, they text, they see them. And I've also seen people who know. They're just holding it on in their head.
4: And... I want well, to
7: separate that out, that people who are actually act, enacting it and making contact to them, I think that is much more serious than people who um, may be just thinking about them. Because if you are single and you're trying to find somebody to have a partnership with and you're not finding that special someone it's hard sometimes to let go if you have met somebody you really liked and and you know you have you're maybe keeping them in your mind as somebody to compare other men to or whatever um, you know or you're feeling lonely it's somebody to maybe think about or you know artists uh, use people that they've really been attracted to as muses you know or muse I forgot the plural from muse. Uh, You know, people write songs about people they fell in love with right away. Remember that famous disco song, It Only Takes a Minute to Fall in Love? Mm -hmm. The, The people who are not acting it out... Um, I don't really think it's such a problem. The people who act it out are usually people that I'll work with where it's really a problem because they completely humiliate themselves. And I find them, to, I mean, the only word I could really think of that just describes it is very masochistic behavior mm-hmm. when they're texting and calling men, or could be the other way around, men do this too, when you're calling somebody, who is not showing you? They're not interested for whatever reason, and even if uh, the person you're calling is making the biggest mistake of their life, and you know they're afraid of love, whatever it, you shouldn't be uh, actively and physically. Pursuing somebody um, that's not returning your interest,
6: mm-hmm. and it's
7: very unhealthy. I mean, at least I, I mean, if, at least if you could get them to stop doing that, then at least they're not enacting being physical. And I say physical, I don't mean that they're touching them physically, but I mean in the physical realm of mm. you know the real realm of life, they're not being humiliated and rejected
6: over and over and over. Which you know, the be women are not engaging in dangerous behavior to themselves or to somebody else. You know, sometimes women can be, do- I mean, it could be the reverse too, but often, you know, men are stalking and, and to the point where they, they can hurt the woman or sometimes women will go after a man and go after a man and he could be someone who's really even physically dangerous and they love this fantasy. They don't miss what they had because what they had was a mess what they miss is the fantasy of how it could have been that it certainly could never be and never will be with this person.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: And that's really true. The one thing I want to comment about
2: that that Rhonda had said, um, the only thing that I, and I'm not saying I really disagree, but the uh, the flip side of what you said is for the people that are holding on to these, you know, fantasies of um, what they either had or want in a relationship you know, they're, they're preventing themselves from being able to really move on so that they do meet the right person because I'll have those same people call me and want to talk to me about the relationship that isn't working and the guy that they've been holding on to for, let's say, two years or three years and the guy literally doesn't call or he doesn't... Reach out to them or anything of that nature. Yet they're holding on to. When you say they're the holding,
7: um, I, I also don't understand who everybody is. Are you? You're. Um, and I apologize for that. But um, when you're doing, you're doing psychic readings for those people. I do
2: psychic readings and and coaching as well. But for right now, I'm talking about psychic readings. Okay. So I'll have somebody can... I'm
7: just wondering what they're asking. Are they asking you if they're going to ever hear from them again? Or, yes.
2: Yes. Or, or what the person feels for them. Um, you know, there's a person coming back? When is he coming exactly.
7: back? Like, yeah, yeah. that, that well, I think thing. that uh, from and I'm going to talk also from the work I do with women that they could do both at the same time. I think that um, the women I work with, who, when they get past the actual acting it out, and now it's just in the, let's say they're just struggling with it uh, internally and intrapsychically, uh, a lot of them do move on. They hold that's an internal object and an idealized internal like they idealize that guy internally but they do move they start dating going on e-harmony and eventually if they're very serious about finding a partner they usually meet somebody and that other person eventually just melts away um, he sort of fades away like softens you know I, I mean a lot of my clients don't if they come to me for treatment they don't just, like, sit and think about the guy and never go out, and they just, like, sit at home, you know, and just have a picture on the wall. They do think about him, and they need to talk about it and what he usually, he, you know, what he means to them or she means to the guy. But they usually, I find, if they're in treatment, they usually start moving in the sense of looking for another partner because you can only deal with... Um, the internal person that you like, like, so long. It gets frustrating after a while. I mean, you can't, like, really, like, go to bed with them or go to a
6: movie with them. Unless sometimes you want someone who's, in effect, uh, safely unavailable. I've worked with women that always get involved with married or uninterested men, and as long as the man isn't really available, they can maintain the fantasy that someday they're going to be together. But these people feel intimacy so much that if the person ever said, okay, you know, I'm going to move in with you. They they couldn't handle it. That's
7: a really good point. And you're talking about, I think, when you're talking about that, it's to me, I think, well, we sort of have a diagnosis for that, but I won't go into that on, on, you know, the show. But it's like there's some people who are like the way Jean's describing, and it's a way for them not to be in a relationship. And then I'm talking about maybe some of the women I'm describing who i work with for a while. um don't do that where they um, have they do talk a lot they ruminate a lot but they do move on in a different sense while they like do both at the same time Mm -hmm. and eventually when they meet somebody that 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 person that they're still idealizing just sort of goes away in their mind
2: right and that I think when they're coming to you for treatment they're ready they're ready and they're wanting to to hold on I have people who are holding on to fantasies and dreams for, you know, 10 years. And and the sad part of things is I really do feel other men in their energy about to come in, but they're not receptive to Oh, really? It. When you do the yes. meeting,
7: you'll actually tell them, I feel another man coming in. I do, in, and, they and they're, they're, they're
2: not interested. Have 99 no, and that's sad. I Right, yeah right, right. Like you would
7: think that, you know, that that would be exciting that a brand, but at one point the man they're idealizing was a new man. You know, mm-hmm. unless it was their first friend, but if it wasn't their first boyfriend, at some point they liked somebody else probably, and mm-hmm. the guy they're thinking about was the new man. So I would think that they would get excited to know a brand new guy who this guy once was, who's was going to come in. That is very exciting to get that kind of news.
2: Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't always work that way. You know, in your book, I remember reading something about desperately clinging. To men, is is what we're talking about what you really meant by that, that desperately clinging on to oh, somebody?
7: No. I work with people sometimes, when you hear these stories, it's almost like unbelievable. They literally desperately cling on a physical level. I mean, um, the calling, um, let's say, um, to people. I mean, sometimes it's not even like the guy just ends it. And he says, oh, I don't want to see you. Sometimes he provokes the ending or he doesn't want to make a commitment and the woman wants a commitment and she ends it. And then, this is the uh, the saddest thing, let's say she ends it because she's not getting her needs met, or he he doesn't want an exclusive thing, and she ends it. Then she changes her mind because she misses him, and she starts calling him Mm -hmm. again, and she changes her mind. And, um, and, well, let's just say he's distancing uh, for whatever reason. Um, She just keeps calling and, um, like, clinging, like, she can't uh, think of her pride. She can't think of... um, Her, you know, her own feelings or being heard or her anger, all she uh, feels is, oh, I just got to hear his voice or I just want to see what he's doing or, um, you know, texting him or asking him where he was. Um, You know, that book, The Rules, and I don't push the book, The Rules, because I'm really not, you know, into The Rules, but the one thing that book and I do have in common is that... It's really, and I'm, and I'm also a feminist. I'm not into, like, not calling men, because that's just a metaphor. Don't call a man. I'm not into not calling men. But the whole thing is, if you're attracted to somebody or you're dating them or you're in a relationship, especially in the dating phase, and they don't know you well, you don't want to look like this desperate, needy, panting after a person, because it turns anybody off, whether you're the woman the man's doing it to you, you're the one that's doing it to the man. It just makes you look like you don't have your own, like, life, you don't have a self. You know, and it's good to give the other person some space because I really think that that's how people do in some way fall in love. There has, has to be a fantasy. Um, that's why sometimes I don't like using the word fantasy because it's not, sometimes it's healthy to have a fantasy. You know, the person has to, you know, just wonder a little bit, like what is she doing or what is he doing, um, you know, and this constant um, in-your-face kind of thing to anybody, it's just going to make them, like, start to distance and just not – Feel that attractive They're, they're going to lose their desire. That's the word mm-hmm. I'm
6: looking for. You become like a leech if you're always around. It's a negative kind of thing. It's, you can do anything to an, such an excess that you, what you liked, you wind up hating.
7: And the whole, the whole point of all this really is desire. That um, if you're not as available, I mean, this is all human nature. People are going to des- even with just friends, people are going to desire you more if you're a little bit unavailable. And it's not about playing games. It's just about reality. Mm -hmm. I
2: agree with that. I mean, I, I definitely see that in relationships, and I also, you know, we talk about that often here on the air, and it isn't always, you know, it's not a matter of, I always say it's not a matter of playing games, but sometimes some strategy and understanding, you know, what's a more effective approach is extremely effective in, you know, dealing, unfortunately, with human nature or the dating game. You know, I mean, it's hard. It really, really is hard out there. But, you know, in your book, um, you talk about the stages of loss, uh-huh. and I know that's it's a hard process when you really realize that a relationship is over. Can you talk to us a little bit about some of those stages or the process that people go through when they are experiencing the loss of a relationship?
7: Well, you have to definitely expect that you're going to feel anger, sadness, um, regret. Um, it's just like different feelings are going to come up for you. And the whole point of it is just to feel the feelings, to not act them out, so that if you're feeling uh, sad because you just missed the person, it doesn't mean you have to go and call them up or text them or email them, oh, I'm feeling sad, what's going on? Just feel the feeling, whatever feelings come up. That's the whole mourning and grieving process. It's all, you know, uh, sadness, um, grief. Any of these feelings, you're going to have to go through them because there's somebody you were attached to and now the person is gone. And it's just, yeah, it's human nature. It's it's suffering. I mean, there's an expression called suffering it out. You just have to suffer it out. And that's what people don't usually want to do, which is when they are clinging to the person.
3: And there's also that expression, you have to feel it to heal it.
7: Exactly, and that's why, like I, and I I know it's like you're in a different kind of business sense, you know, you'll have the people asking, you know, because they can't ask me that because I'll give them a different answer because I'm a therapist and not a psychic, but uh, the whole thing about I would actually rather see somebody just thinking and idealizing the person but moving. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't want that. Uh, they should be going out and dating and trying to meet new men. I agree with it 100% on that. And they should get excited when a new man's coming into their life because this guy, the next guy could be a million times better and he may mm-hmm. not cause her to suffer and it could be like a really great relationship. So that is important for them to feel that. But while they're doing that, it doesn't bother me that they're – still thinking about or idealizing the person. It could be part of their um, mourning process, you know, and I do agree that if it goes on over a year, that it's considered pathological mourning, mm-hmm. I mean, analytically, it's pathological mourning, but as long as, like, they can do that as long as they don't act it out and make a contact, it's all about no contact, as so long as you're not contacting them, that's good, um, and they are sort of looking to move on in the sense of me, bringing other new men or women into their life. But with that said, I, it wouldn't bother me if they're still thinking about the other person. I know a lot of artistic people, and that's how they create art. They write poems and and uh, memoir pieces and songs about people that they still long for from mm-hmm. their past.
2: And that's true. That's very, very true.
7: You know, I, I
2: loved in your book that you, at the end of, of most of the chapters, if not all of them, there were certain writing exercises. How did that actually help people
7: to, to um, I write know, things I out? I have to tell you that as an author, it's always surprises me that when I was writing it, I didn't think when I was writing what, the exercises it was a big deal, it was just, I don't know, it like, these exercises and and people always telling me how much it healed them. And I don't know, maybe that was like a spiritual kind of like channeling thing. Um, but it's so next you've got to write a
6: workbook that goes with it. Yeah, oh, yeah, I agree with that. The exercises are very important because you you know them as a therapist. But a lot of these people, these exercises are like, wow, it's the first time they ever saw any appropriate behavior that they can take to get over something.
7: Yeah, and I'm working on another book. I'm I'm going to, after this uh, interview. I'm going to definitely work on my uh, writing exercises now. Put more than them, but because um, I'm really thinking about it, but. Um, I guess it's like what Jane just said. It's probably, um, it gets them in touch with their feelings. They have to sit and think about it. They have to get in touch with, you know, whatever feelings they have that are causing them to act out.
2: I, I found in reading it, you know, that some of those questions were phenomenal. And if people actually t- take the time to do the exercises, I feel they would get really the maximum out of your book. Um, you, you, it, I also saw that you talked about recovering from rejection. Um, could, are there any tips that you can give the listeners about how exactly to do that? Because that's a huge well, problem.
7: Yeah, it's very, very hard. It, it's almost the same thing as the morning. You have to just suffer through it and um, and try to heal yourself, have a support system, people you can talk to about your feelings, Um A big thing, again, I'm going to say it again, I sound like a broken record, is no contact with the person who rejected you because sometimes people want to contact them because they want to undo the rejection. And um, if the person hasn't, um, you know, changed or grown, um, they may end up getting hurt all over again. So the big thing is no contact, even though you may want to contact the person who rejected you, to undo it, Um, don't contact them and to... They're just going to have to suffer it out and try to work on their healing and recovery, you know, to soothe themselves. It's just like if you cut yourself and you need time for the skin to heal and to put some medication on it, there's nothing you can do. It's just going to take a while until everything heals. But there's, like, medication you could put on it or there's maybe, you know, ice or something. And so that would be just doing self-soothing kind of things, like going for therapy, talking to your friends, going on a trip, um, going to the movies, reading, sitting in a cafe, writing, um, you know. I mean,
6: Distraction. It, what? Distraction, that's, that's a good that's defense. Good. And that's why people who have other things in their lives like hobbies or a job they love or friends or family often don't obsess or act out the uh, really dangerous part of uh getting over a bad relationship because they have other positive things. If you feel like this is the only thing I have or ever will have, you know, that sets you up for negative. It's not true, but the feelings can be really uh, intense when they're there.
7: Yeah, it depends also how severe the rejection was and what exactly happened. But I think I'm talking about damage control to not, like, get it really out of hand because I've known women when they get rejected, that can cause a tailspin of all sorts of just really crazy behavior. I mean, they'll end up just going and banging on their door, you know, yelling out. At fatal
6: attraction.
7: Yeah, it could turn into a fatal attraction. That's why um, I, I, I always stress to, to not let it go any further, I like to sort of just keep it contained in that one rejection and then heal from that. Um, and, and so also, I also like my um, clients to know about uh, empowering themselves because even if you get rejected, if you don't go back and contact the rejecter. I mean, you're showing them that you've moved on. Like you sort of take your power back. That's another thing by not contacting the person rejecting him. Is you take your power back, and it actually shows the person who did the rejecting. I can't say what I would like to say on um, on because it's like a curse, you know. I would just say it's uh um, <laughs> something blank alphabet letter. You, you know, I've moved on. You know, you really haven't really affected me as much as maybe you would have liked to affected me. Um, so That's, they need to also empower themselves. And, Bravo. I mean, it is, it's not—it's not—it's not, e- not easy to recover from a rejection. It's very, very hard. It's a hard work, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, I know. Most of this, any any time you're working on yourself, it's not always easy, but it pays off. Uh, Dr. Cirillo said it um, earlier on that it's a healthier kind of pain, though, and being difficult than just struggling in that that feeling of being rejected. Um, I, I, I read in your book about the fantasy father. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
7: A fantasy? I, I, oh, you mean the inadequate father, because I know I didn't write a fantasy father. Um, I wrote about inadequate father, um, and that's the father who some, – some but, as, you know, it's funny. I read this, wrote this book in, uh, this in the 90s, and I've been working with so many women because of the book that came to me through the book, and I came to realize that it's definitely not just the father – um, also, a lot of women who have this problem have problems w- uh, with mothers who are unavailable or rejecting. Um, so, I, I know I feel bad that just the fathers got you know blamed for this, but I did write <laughs> about fathers who were
6: inadequate. Usually, <laughs> it's the moms. Now the fathers took the uh, heat.
7: Yeah, you know, and um, they, they just your fathers. I think you really just say at this point, even though I, I wrote that about fathers, it's really your parents, so whoever your parents were. If they are in any way inadequate or unavailable or abusive, that can cause somebody, like some of the women you're talking about who call you and have a hard time letting go um, and keep that idealized person in the back of their mind, you know, one may be the parent that, with that love they always wish they had from that unavailable parent. Mm-hmm. That's also what they hold on to, that idealized person.
2: Right. That's That's the big part of it, and that's what most people don't understand. And the place to heal... Is with the holding on to what you didn't have in your childhood, rather than holding on to somebody in your current life who really isn't honoring you at all.
7: Yeah, and it's um, a lot of times it's that. But I can't help but think that I've just been seeing all the women. I so many, you know, like you can't help but just think about it philosophically. I mean, some there is like a truth to this. Sometimes they just really need somebody they they may have really just been very drawn to, and it's just a sadness that it didn't work out with that person, that's part of the mourning and grieving, that they have to just endure the sadness that that particular – sometimes it's not even so much about that. It's just about, like, romance, that they could have really met some person that was just, like, really fabulous for them, and it didn't work out. It's as simple as that. And rather than just go through the, uh, the grief of that didn't work out with that person, they keep holding on to it, and they need to mourn and grieve the sadness of it. You know, uh, because I think as I'm getting older, like, and living life as well, you see some people really never meet as somebody as fabulous as they thought that person was mm-hmm. as they get older. I mean, it's just life.
6: Right. So well, you fall I'm in like, love with a fantasy. That's what Carl right. Young said, and we project it onto a likely target. So, uh, you know, for whatever reason, we projected it onto that person, and it's always easier to project it onto somebody you can't have because then uh, – The closer you get and the longer you have the person, often the good fantasy goes away and and you you don't want them around or it gets replaced by a family love. Yeah, some people get to
7: actually marry the person like we're talking about that they were crazy about and then the marriages don't even work out anyway. Mm. At least then they don't have to struggle with this because they played the whole thing out. They found out how horrible the person was that they were so crazy about.
2: Right, and that often does happen. Yeah. Um, in your book, you talk about ambival- ambivalent men. Um, can you explain that to the listeners?
7: Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I I, I know that I was being thrown off and stuff up from the beginning of the radio show, but I was listening a little bit to the whole fantasy thing, and I did want to address this that um, I see like on a lot of these sites that a lot of these, and I'm not going to talk about the women doing it to the men. I'm just going to address the men doing it to the women. A lot of the women take the hit for uh, being in like a a fantasy kind of relationship. I want to say from the work I've been doing all these years that a lot of women get uh, drawn into guys who are very ambivalent, and the guys are giving them the message that there is a high interest um, and they'll either, sometimes they don't sleep with them, sometimes they use to seduce them. They used to seduce them without sex, with sex. And then the guys change their mind. And they make the women feel like they're, uh, have, you know, they're crazy. Where the guy really indeed was seductive. And um, he just can't make up his mind. I mean, part of him wants a relationship, part of him doesn't want a relationship. Some of these guys, uh, they, um, you know, they have a laundry, like I call it the critical list. You know that they'll date all these women, and then they act like they're really into you, and then they come up with things that are wrong with you, because everybody has something wrong with them. I mean, I've heard things too. Uh, the woman was allergic to wheat, to hammer toes. Um, to I mean, I have a whole list of that one. <laughs> I knew, actually, I swear to God, I knew a guy. He thought he found the perfect woman, and he found out she had, he saw hammer toes. He dumped her. And are, like, so he should have the
6: <laughs> to see her toes first. That's what well, you do every woman. Toes are going to find something they shoes, wrong with They
7: find something wrong. And this way the guy never has to make a commitment or face his own anxiety about commitment and closeness and intimacy or whatever his problem is. Um, so I call those men ambivalent. And I think it's re- really important for women who get involved with that to know that they were indeed being seduced. And it's not their fantasy. It's not not like they're imagining it, you know. Um, and because it empowers them when they got into a situation like that, not that he felt like they're, they're going insane, you know.
2: Right. And I hear that kind of situation a lot, that the guy started out, you know, so vested in the relationship and then just turned from hot to cold overnight,
6: they and they hot. could never
2: get them back.
6: The, the trick
7: to that is, it's very sad. I mean, there's a sadness to trying to find love in our society nowadays. This mm. is not all just about our mothers and fathers. There is a real cultural sadness that I think. Because it's like, you know, this is after the 60s, the feminist revolution, and it's, everything's up for grabs now. You know, the women are free sexually. Some guys are getting intimidated. It's like, it's like sort of crazy out there now. And so the whole trick to this is, I think that, and this is very hard to do because it goes back to the beginning of this interview, is when you see a guy does that to you when um, it's not working out, you just got to let go. I find the women who do the best and, like, don't suffer that much or ruminate are the women women who can detach easy. The women who detach quickly, they just do better because they don't suffer as much, you know. They well, just-
6: I think your family gives you that ability. Sometimes if you have a strong family behind you, especially you have a lot of siblings, you can – Go, yeah, yeah. go to different people, if want. like if mom isn't there for you, grandma is, there's always somebody. You don't feel that clingy toward one person, but often when you never really had love, you, you get somebody and you say, this is the one and this is the only one because it seems so rare. So maybe this, this person who can detach easily, they're wounded. In a sense, they're wounded but not slain. They're right. resilient from relationships. Right they have had a strong family background, know which is something you can't control.
7: It, it keeps perpetuating them. Like the people who were not that wounded to begin with from their past are the ones who could, don't get wounded later on. And the exactly. ones who early, they keep it going over and over and over, and it's really sad. But if people can just learn these, uh, well, they should buy my book, but they should also, like, learn these tools of detaching and letting go. Uh, like it's the concept of no contact, don't, if somebody doesn't, like if one of these guys plays this game with you, and then all of a sudden he disappears, if he like all of a sudden he's calling you and into you, and then he just stops calling you, and you find out he didn't die, he's not in the hospital, he just is not calling you. That's it. It is over. You know, um, just you have to, like, you know, count it as a loss and move on and start the mourning grieving period over the guy. Even if it was three dates and you slept together one time, you have to mourn and grieve it and move on, and just keep moving along, and it's there, I mean, it's not easy, though, it's not easy.
2: I know it isn't, but I, I, how does a woman actually, after she goes through the grieving process, how does she actually just start
7: all over again? I know, that's That's why a lot of people come to therapy nowadays, not even because they've been had incredible trauma when they were younger, they come to therapy sometimes, even psychoanalysis, because, um, I don't mean psychoanalysis in the sense, of, but I just mean an analyst who happens to be a therapist, uh, because it's, Sometimes it gets so um, traumatic just going through these, oh, another disappointment. You've got to, like, pick yourself up and get back on the race. And, it, it, you know, every time you keep doing it, it gets harder and harder, and you need to mourn and grieve. That's point, sometimes you just need to go see a therapist because you, you need like, to work on it professionally at some point because it is traumatizing going through one loss after. It's a knock at your self-esteem. It um, brings up issues from your past. Um, it's not easy. It's stressful. Yeah, it is definitely. You have to just do it again and again and again. I mean, the good thing about it is you get pretty good at it after a while. I mean, pretty pretty much have to <laughs> like to time it. you know. Let's say, oh, if this breaks
6: perfect. <laughs> if
7: this breaks up, how many um, how many weeks is it going to take me? Uh, you know, to grieve and mourn. You know, how many therapy sessions do I have to pay for? You know, how much do I have to do to go on a trip? Um, sometimes people do get it almost down to a science. Um, but, you know, I will, there is a happy ending to this, because I think that there are some women who are very determined to find a partner. I mean, they really are determined. Um, and those women uh, who are usually find somebody, I found. that I usually ended up getting emailed later on that they got married. Um, so I'm not saying that but because, some people don't really care about it that much. I mean, they would like right. to have a, um, an attachment or connection. Um, they'd like to have a sexual partner. Um, not everybody, like, oh, you know, I just have to get married. I have to have a family. Not everybody's like that anymore. Um, but I think the people who really, really want that, you know, legal thing, you know, the marriage, the wedding, I think a lot of them usually get it. Now, that's not to say that some of them may be settling, and that's a whole
6: other uh, right. video show. Yeah, they, they but, have to have more realistic standards. Well, so. that is I don't know. That's another – I don't
7: know. You, I was uh, going to say, that that,
2: right, I would, I would love to have you back to talk about that at some point. But we do have a bunch of callers on the line, sure. and I do want to get to the calls. But, Rhonda, thank you so very much for all this very valuable information. Um, I, I think you've, uh, you've graciously, graciously agreed to stick around and take some calls with sure, us. Sure, of course. Great, great. Um, so just a reminder that the switchboard is open, so give us a call at 646-381-4141 to speak to Rhonda Finling, Dr. Jean Cirillo, and me, Lady Fontaine. And be sure to get your hands on Rhonda's book, Don't Call That Man. It's a survival guide to letting go. Um, Rhonda, how do people get in touch with you?
7: Well, they can go to my website at www rondafindling.com that's r-h-o-n-d-a-f-i-n-d-l-i-n-g and if they go on my website it, there's a link for consultations
2: great thank you alright um, guys do we I know we have a bunch of callers on the line who is our first caller
0: well our first caller is Helen Helen has many questions about a friend and a love interest
2: aha uh-huh, okay Helen
6: Hello. Hi, Helen.
0: Hi. Hi, how can we help you? Well, I would like to know about my friend, Corey. Well, I know him for two years, and I would like to know, like, will he ever, um, we would like in a dispute, and I don't know where he ever speak to me again, and I'd just like to know, does he have feelings about me, and what's going on with him? All right, and his first name was Corey. Yes. Yeah.
2: Okay, let me just tune into his energy. All right, um, a couple things are jumping out at me. First, I want to say that um, I don't really feel that you guys have fully run your course. So even though you guys had some sort of dispute, I do feel that there is going to be some contact from him. But I I, I have to be honest with you, Helen, the quality of the – the energy that I'm picking up in this whole relationship feels to me that it's a, like an emotional roller coaster ride. It feels to me um, that uh, I'm not saying that you necessarily have had these major, you know, conflicts before, but it kind of feels that you have. Kind of feels to me that this is a pattern of how this relationship goes with him. I still feel, though, um, you know, a connection with the two of you, and I still feel you in his energy. So my gut feeling is he will step forward, but I do feel a lot of, um, it's not even mixed feelings. It's a lot, it's almost as if certain doors have closed from his perspective, but there's still a heart-to-heart connection between the two of you. How long have you guys known each other? It feels to me that it's an established relationship.
0: Yeah, I have known him for two years.
2: And have you guys cycled like this before on and off? Because it feels to me that you have. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I, I, is this actually a love interest? Because it feels to me that there's been a lot of emotions involved with
0: this. Well, I do love him, yes, I like him, but I don't know if he... Well, um, he's not in the same exact place
2: that you are with this. He isn't. Um, is he actually still in a relationship because I feel another female around him?
0: Well, no. People keep telling me, oh, his mother could be down there in Florida with him or something.
6: He goes to Florida a lot and leaves you here?
0: Well, he goes to Florida. He's in, well, he's at Florida now. I think he's, yeah, he's working down there in Florida. And people keep telling me, oh, his mother is down
6: there or something. So I don't know what's really going on. Okay, you it sounds like him there's a mystery he has now offered you to come down to Florida has he Wait, well you haven't been
7: no. two years though have you well, not-
6: no. i mean I mean this is this year that's what I mean. hello, oh, just this year he started going down to Florida mm-hmm.
2: well i i I actually feel he is down in Florida to work, but I do feel another female around him um, let me ask you if. Is, is before you met him, was he was he right out of a
0: relationship? Was he married? No, he's not married. Um, Dad, I don't know if he was even in a relationship when I met him. I don't know. Mm. Because I somehow feel a female around him.
2: It feels to me as if it's a wife, um, could be an ex-wife, and that's why I asked you that. Oh, um, but he's but he's not married. All right, I'm just feeling out his energy. Rhonda, did you have a question for her? Oh, for, I was
7: trying to understand, if the, when was the last time that, because I thought they had, you said they had a dispute two years ago. I didn't misunderstand that part.
0: It is it, not two years ago. Um, it was after that, after I think two years, kind of like this dad and I, 2010 year, that year. Uh, if, so how long have you now talked to him? I haven't talked to him like in... Seven months.
7: Oh, seven months. Oh, that was the number I was looking for.
2: And are you are you reaching out to him in any way, or are you just
0: letting it sit? Well, I haven't spoke to him or anything like that.
7: Well, I can, I, I was wondering uh, how if when you said it ended in a dispute, had he? Uh, I mean, was there one person who got more hurt than the other?
0: Well, yeah. we both well we both were hurt and. Mm-hmm.
7: I, and it's, I mean, I, I certainly don't want to say, um, after going this whole long thing about don't call that man that you should call him, but I was just wondering, only because I don't know the story, would it be something that you would risk getting very hurt if you reached out to him first? Because, uh, you know, just to stop the obsessing, because it's funny that we talked about the other thing, but sometimes to stop the obsessing is something that is like in a sort of, no, like, you don't really know kind of zone, sometimes mm-hmm. just to... Find out once and for all can stop obsessing, although it may not it may lead to some you know un, maybe feelings you won't like though I mean you're taking a risk on that, but then you don't have to ruminate about it I mean, would do you think you could get really hurt if you reached out to him if he let's say he didn't respond the way you wanted? Would that upset you?
6: Helen, yes. Yes, would that have, Rhonda asked you a question. If you reached out to this guy and if he didn't respond in a positive manner, in other words, if he said something negative or didn't want to speak to you, it would upset you a lot? No, it wouldn't. Okay, then maybe you should do it because it sounds like at this point you need some kind of closure on this relationship. Before you can fu- fully put your energy into another relationship, you need to know where you stand. There's a lot of secrets and a lot of unanswered questions around this person. Okay. It's All right. Thank I, I it's you. Hello? Thank Thank you. You. Hello? I'm giving All the right. woman who wrote,
7: that man gives you permission to call that man.
6: That <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rhonda, the author of the book, Don't Call That Man, is telling you, in this case, you can call the man once and then see how he responds. All right, thank you so much, Helen. I think we have somebody else on the line. Yes.
3: Yes, we have Sheena. And Sheena would I like to know uh, the outcome of, the, of a relationship with a specific man. Okay, Sheena. Yes, Helen. Well, hi, hi Helen.
7: What you were talking about now.
3: Hi, so uh,
2: wh- tell us a little bit about what's going on and the person's first name.
4: Well, the person's first name is Kevin. Um, I had a great connection with this guy and um his name always pops up when he's not around like coincidentally, different places, even like on commercials, on T V, stuff like that. So I had a connection with him and then recently we had a dispute or whatever, we've been each other for five months and just like she was saying, um, where if a guy um kind of steps back from you and doesn't call you anymore, and then you don't contact him, or you just move on. But then, what if that guy actually continues to contact you after you know not talking to you for a while? But my 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 question is is um, to finish what I was saying. We got into a dispute and everything. And uh, two days later, I texted him to uh, get closure because I needed closure and everything. So I just wanted to know if this person is gonna like absolutely go away and just if he even has to for me from number one and if he's just gonna totally go away and never contact me again.
1: No,
2: I don't feel he will, but if you have the control in your hands by just not responding and not giving him what it is that, that, that he wants. I mean, the reason why this keeps going in cycles with you is because you need closure and then you need to say something based on what he said and the more you keep going on the more you're going to stay in this in this place of not really getting anywhere and still staying you know with that contact with him stop responding he could reach out to you all he wants but you don't have to answer um, Rhonda and dr. Cyrilla do you want to jump in because
6: I feel this guy's not stopping with her
7: you know I, I... Oh, it,
6: it sounds like he wants to keep you in there anyway Rhonda you want to... Say yeah i
7: get a lot <clears throat> a lot of women complain about this to me is um and i don't know if this is your situation to the caller but let's say um the the guy they find out he's cheating or he can't make a commitment or something that the woman just finds like i just can't deal with this anymore because they're not happy with the relationship and they end it um sometimes they have guys who it's just the opposite They'll, the guy keeps uh calling her
6: bringing them along
7: yeah and and then then if you they, okay. Then you'll think, oh, the guy must be madly in love with her because he keeps calling her. But then if the woman says to the guy who's like now keeps calling her, oh, does that mean that you want to make a commitment or you you don't want to see anybody else except me? He's like, no, I don't want to be exclusive of you. I don't want to commit to you. But basically, the guy still wants her in his life to, like you said, changes just to string her along and just. Um, it's very infantile and selfish and narcissistic to do that to somebody who expresses, uh, you know, that they want something different with you and can't give it to them, go out of their life. So I was wondering, the caller, without going into the whole story, um, was there something he did that made you decide that you don't want him to call
4: you? Um, Well, yes, yes, it is. He pretended to me that he wanted a relationship, a serious relationship, and I told him no, I wanted to go slow. I wanted to take it slow. Well, I guess it was my subconscious just feeling, you know, because I'm, I, I think I'm a little. He talking about that he wanted I, to
6: hook up and you weren't
7: ready to hook up. Is that what we're really talking about? No,
4: no, we had already done that already. But so he wanted, he wanted it,
7: so quickly, and you wanted to go slow. He
4: want, he said out of his mouth that he wanted for me to, in his terms be his girlfriend or his woman <clears throat> and I said no because I wanted to take it because I know that he wasn't ready for it okay. so,
5: so come to know. find
4: out he okay. had someone else so he, he had already had someone that he was involved with oh. but he knew her before he knew me he met me afterwards yeah. and we were together for about five months and I was in my mind, wanted to take it slow because I knew he wasn't ready. But that was the situation. What I am mad about is that he portrayed to me that he wanted to be serious with me, but then that wasn't the case. But there was not. He was seeing somebody else at the same time. Uh, yes.
7: Okay, so is that why you broke up with him? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, do so you are you seriously? I mean, are you serious about not wanting him in your life anymore?
4: Are you serious about it? I mean, I I really, I I don't want him as, I want him as a friend like he was from the beginning. I don't want anything further. But well, why does it uh, bother? I, does
7: his call, if he's your friend, then he should be able to call you because his friends do they call each other.
4: Yeah, that was my question. Is he going to contact me again or does oh. he have feelings for me? Yes. And I mean, Is
7: he going to completely <laughs> reject you because he doesn't want to just be your friend or is he going to still stay at your friend?
4: I, I want to know if he is going to if he had feelings for me number one, because I used to get i get I would get readings saying this guy is the one uh he's just gonna step back and 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 figure out the situation whether he really wants to be committed and you know you guys have a good connection, and then to find this out, it's very confusing, so I need clarity on it I need clarity about what's going on here all right well. Yeah.
7: Was he lying about saying, he said to you that I want a serious relationship and he was actually when he was saying that seeing somebody else that you didn't know about?
4: I, I didn't know at the time. I just found out recently that he. Well, it sounds like he her. was
6: stringing the other person along that maybe he didn't want to give her up until, until you assured him that he was going to be your one and only and you were going to be his one and only because God forbid he should be out there without a date.
7: Right. I, don't know. I don't know, he sounds a little bit like a manipulative liar to me
6: so.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not feeling that this one um, is Mr. Right for you But I don't feel like he's going away either I do feel that there are, um, you know, that you are in his energy And that he will step forward But it doesn't feel like he's going to step forward In the way to start giving you what it is that you truly deserve mm-hmm.
4: Okay. Now when you say step four, what is that actually calling mean? you,
2: contacting you in in some way reaching out to you, but I don't feel he's going to step forward and say, "Okay, starting today, I'm here for you 110%. Let's work this out." Because even if he says that, I don't I feel it's just going to be words and not actions behind it. All
6: yeah.
2: right?
4: Yeah.
2: All right, good okay. luck and to the, you. Okay.
4: All right, yeah. thank you very much.
2: You're welcome. All right. I just want to listen
4: in if I can.
3: Sure. We have uh, Marina now.
2: Oh, okay,
8: Marina. Hi, hello, Lady
3: Fontaine. Hi, Marina. Hi, how are you?
8: I'm fine. I want to tell that I'm happy to hear your voice back on the show.
6: Thank and you. I'm so glad are we, so <laughs> <laughs> we not sure it would happen. Yes, that the planets would let it happen, but it did. Yes, yes it it really good.
8: And uh, I also wanted to give you an update on your predictions. Uh, yes. Do you remember, guys, that Marina called?
2: Marina was our, um, uh, I forget, I think we were running a contest or something before we were doing the mailbag, and you had won the contest or something like that. So we did yeah. a reading for you on the air. And I remember yeah. you had questions about
8: your my career. Job. Mm-hmm. My job and my career, and at that time you told me that I need to sit tight and that uh, the issue will resolve on its
2: own. Right, with work because you were wanting to make changes and mm-hmm. I honestly felt that they they had a tremendous amount of respect for you
8: mm-hmm. and that
2: things were going to resolve themselves for you. So what happened?
8: Okay, what happened that uh first of all my boss started showing the face that I knew and saw before. So she yes. kind of Became the same Suzanne that I fell in love with, and that's why I went to this place to work. Then I had um, been at the dinner um, where we were, our team was honored for the superb work, and I was sitting with the very distinguished person in our company. I would say executive of the executives. So you
6: are really highly respected to be placed
8: in that I, 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 Yeah, honestly, I even did not know who she was. The way she behaves, you would never tell it. The way she acts. But then later I was told who she really is. She was sitting next to me. And Mm -hmm. the way she was interacting, it was just absolutely wonderful. And then at the end... When we were leaving, she just stopped me and she said, "Please, we know that you're in the most difficult building in, most difficult facility in the whole town, but please hang in there because we have something good coming for you. We mm-hmm. have really good plans, and please, you just, you just hang in there. That's what I can tell you." And then she t- turned to my immediate boss and said that you know what i'm talking about and the boss was absolutely clueless and she said we have two more facilities coming the best one 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 of the best ones in town and this is for marina i
2: always told you that i I knew that that was going to play out for you that way
6: yeah that's wonderful I'm yes. so,
2: so glad that this is happening yes. because I know you were in a little bit of a panic when you, yes. when, when all this was going on a couple of yeah. months ago. Yeah, so.
8: because this this is hard, especially nowadays, to kind of be without the job, the support, especially when you have to support the family.
0: Sure. It is
8: it is difficult. But I just wanted to tell a big thank you for that prediction. I wanted to say it on the air, so whoever is listening right now and awaiting online, that you're absolutely amazing. Your abilities to predict, to foresee the future, guide, and help. Absolutely amazing. Thank you. And I'm really, truly thankful for all your help and all your guidance, everything you put
6: out for me.
0: Thank well, you thank, so well thank
6: you for the feedback. Usually when it's something positive, you know, <laughs> you, you tend to focus on the negative. So it's wonderful to hear something yeah. positive. I, I know it is. the lady was and right I'm when Atani told you to hang in there. Yeah. Right. Yes. And
2: I know you, you, were talk, you were thinking about going back to your old job and things like that. So I'm glad you uh, stuck with this and that it turned yes. out so well for you. And yeah. I feel it will continue. And I do feel in the end you're going to get your own location. I mean, you're going to get...
8: Um, That's what they I want they to yes, get <laughs> Yes, you yes, just May I ask? I just, I just wanted to ask you one quick question. Sure. Uh, I was in touch with my lawyer today. I, I'm i dealing with the workers' compensation mm-hmm. case from the old job, and I met with my lawyer today, and he refused to um, get in touch with the lawyer of the defendant and give him any update on my situation because he is afraid that they will play it not, uh, they will play it to their favor mm-hmm. and uh, that they will bring into
6: the law into the case, my current employer blaming... Right, that you're doing partner. quite well, and as a matter of fact, right. you're, you're moving up. Okay, even if the injury doesn't stop this, that could certainly oh, no. hurt the settlement. Uh-huh. I would agree. Yeah, and
8: um, I just... So we stuck to the day, May the 16th, and he said he will not contact them before, maybe after the hearing. I'm just a little antsy, kind of, and uh, I, honestly, I didn't even... Think of asking you a question and taking a time on the uh, air, but I heard your voice and this just happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking with well, you. I, 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 I just to you so much. I mean, this,
2: this May 16th or May 16th or 18th date. I do feel um, either they're going, you're going to have some sort of settlement, or
8: they will. Um, is this a hearing or is this a trial on that? 18th date? will be hearing actually May 18th. Hearing, actual hearing, and after that uh, will be, uh, within how he explained, within the 60 days, the doctors would have to give their deposition, and then they have a right to appeal, and and actually ruling might take up to four months to a year. It's a form of a trial. It's it's a government-type
2: hearing that's really, Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't think that with with um, any sort of disability thing that it's ever easy to get any. I don't think they volunteer and offer and say, no, okay, no. well, here's you know, here's your money. But I do feel unless in the you're end, quadriplegic, so, maybe, maybe. <laughs> right, right.
6: Yes,
8: yes. No, no. Thanks God. No, and I
2: of no, course, no. yeah. No. But but I do feel in the end this one's going to work out for you. So I don't feel anything negative coming out of the hearing, though you may end up having to go for the court.
8: Yeah, well, this will be, yes, this will be in the, court. The, the question is
6: whether they will settle or I will just Yeah. Get... It sounds like patience works in your favor, like, you yeah. know, patience worked with holding on to this job. And in this case, the sense that Lady Fontaine is yes. getting and <sighs> that I'm hearing mm-hmm. is, is that the patience holding out and not taking any action is the hardest, but it's what you need to learn to do.
0: Yes. Right, and
6: and that will pay off for you, Marina, in the
2: end. So if you're asking, are you asking, are they going to offer you a settlement before
0: this it, May 18th? It, it will we'll be say, either, no, no. it
8: will be, no, yeah. So it will be the settlement or I will get the money that will pay for the rest of my life for all the medical care and if something happens, even for my living. Well, that yes. would be coming through the court, not, the, yes. not a yes, 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 yeah. yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. yes. Yeah. So, yeah, but but anyway, but thank you so very much for everything, and thanks to you, Doctor Sarela. Uh, and I am not holding the air anymore. <laughs> okay,
3: thank, thank you, Maria. You.
8: Uh-huh. Okay, okay. Bye. 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 Bye.
3: bye. All right, do we have time uh-huh. for one more caller? We have Eileen. If we're if we have time for her. Okay, we'll we'll try. Okay, here's Eileen asking about her husband. Hi, Eileen. Uh, Eileen. Eileen.
1: Hi. 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 Yes.
3: Hi. How can we help you?
1: Well, my husband. Um, We've been married a long time. We have four teenagers, and he moved out um, about four months ago, and I was just wondering if you had any idea if there was any hope or if there's a way I should approach it or All right, go. what is his uh, first name? Jim.
2: Jim. All right, I'm going to zoom in on his energy, but in the meantime, if if either Dr. Cirillo or Rhonda wants to ask questions, go ahead.
1: Why did he move out? Um, about six months ago, he kind of had a fantasy relationship going on with someone that we've known quite a while. She's lived pretty far away, but um, she's done this with other guys and they kind of... I knew she was leading them on as soon as he... He wasn't admitting that he was having a tech... you know, te- emailing, okay. emotional kind of affair with her. But I mean, did he move out to go to her to get closer? No, or Did he just no. move out
6: because you got tired of, of this and found out about it and... and
1: no, so no, no. He, he, he had... Um, we went to a couple of workshops, and he just uh, he just wasn't wanting to work on the marriage in any real way. And the therapist said, well, if you don't want to work on it, I mean, do you want to work on it? And he finally admitted no. And yeah. then he said, well, she said, well, what do you want to do, continue living arrangements as they are? And he said yes. And then she turned to me and said, well, is that okay with you? And I just burst into tears. I was like, no, she's not going to work on the marriage.
6: Uh, you know. Well, good
1: for you on that. I need him out of my energy field, and I do feel better with him out. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, from a psychic perspective, um, I do feel he is going to, and I have to just, you know, preface this by saying, usually I don't have a lot of positive things to say about energies that I'm picking up, but I do actually feel that that he's going to give this some thought and have some regrets and step forward in a more almost holistic way. Um, to, you know, to want to at least talk to you about, you know, the future and the relationship. My gut feeling is, though, um, that there's been so much, um, you know, what I kind of want to say, um, you know, baggage involved here that it's going to be hard to pick up all the pieces and just start fresh in this relationship. But your question to me is, you know, what's going to happen? Will he ultimately step forward again or you know, have have any desire to work on this relationship, and I feel he will. Still feels to me it's a few months in the future. I would say a minimum of, right now I'm hearing three months, so I feel it's going to be another three months, but I feel he's going to really literally wake up one morning and just have this, be aware of a sense of emptiness within himself, and he's going to reach out for you. The only thing I want to say is it's not really him missing you and wanting to fix the relationship that he's going to feel but there's gonna be a sense of um more or less um i don't know it's it's not feeling alone, it's just uh, and it, it but it, part of it is regret, just sort of like unsure of what the future is, and I feel that's why he's gonna take those steps back towards you, and then the choice will be yours, okay. Dr. Cirillo or Rhonda, any any uh, I'm, thoughts I'm, on that?
7: So I'm just at the beginning. Um, was, did he meet this woman on when um, you were talking, talking about originally on the internet?
1: Um, no, no, it wasn't. But no, I met. I was there when they both met about ten years ago. Actually. Oh,
0: okay. For Sounds reasons. like she's a
1: friend that that plays a lot of people's husbands and lovers. And yes, yeah, she does. I wouldn't call her a friend. Uh-huh. She's someone we met at workshops over the years, like in California or Sedona.
7: Oh, okay. And okay. Is it, uh, that was a. I'm sorry. I don't know the whole. I just couldn't hear it coming in. Did um uh, was that the reason? Was she the re, Did something happen between him and her that he moved out?
1: Um. Yeah. Yeah. He really had the whole thing in in his mind. He was gonna replace you know me and the problems that we have and the burdensome life with four teenagers with her. He, it was just a total fantasy in his mind. And
7: it, had it sounds like
1: a total fantasy. It was because happen? she has an autistic child, and all sorts of things.
7: <laughs> has anything ever happened between the two of them?
1: You know i you know all my friends would think yes, but um I actually think no because of various things I think not I think no, I mean maybe kissing and stuff because she did that with everybody at the workshops, all the guys so
2: well, uh, from a psychic perspective i actually and i don't I don't know if you want to hear this, but I do feel. It went a little bit beyond that, but I don't feel that he's in love with her or that he left the marriage
6: because of her. I think she's the excuse. He feels overwhelmed and like he wants to be free as a bird. And Sometimes when somebody does that, they they would rather you get angry at the other person yeah. than at them, and that's what he's doing. He's kind of shifting the blame a little bit to this woman. Oh, it could be, yeah. But in the end, I mean, mean, is he's got to eventually go for some kind of counseling, maybe on his own or or with you, if he wants to work on the relationship. If not, you have to decide how long do you want to give it. You know, a year, they say, is constructive abandonment.
1: A year. He left
6: you without, yeah, well, that's legally.
7: Constructive abandonment, that sounds cool.
6: Like if he left you and you didn't have any sex or or he physically left the premises for a year and didn't come back and didn't go to work.
7: Is he, um, when, when he moved, how long has he been out of the house now? So you're both separated?
1: Uh, since January. Uh, for, you know, New Year's, by New Year's he was out.
7: And when he said that he was moving out, what did he say the reason was for? Has he actually verbally said?
1: Uh, just, you know, just once three months apart just to think about things and
7: and you have and, you have what? four teenagers,
1: yeah, well, one pretty, of them is twenty one but she's still sort of young, she's pretty, yeah.
7: pretty much involved in their lives
1: um, yes, yes, and I encourage that he I, he's always been a good dad, yeah,
7: and how is things been going between the two of you since he's been separated
1: um well, in the beginning, he wanted to pretend like nothing was different, and I just couldn't. I mean, when the moving Did van you mean pulled...
7: wanted to. pretend? How could it be di- not different if he? Well,
1: exactly. When the moving van pulled up, I just like it. Just really shocked me. Have and... you made any
7: um, gestures to feeling regret over this and wanting to move back? You know, like saying things or get, wanting to get together with you, or
1: no, it, like not really. Happy
7: to be living on a Mr. Bachelor now, or
1: um. Yeah, I was just hoping he would keep his sanity. He actually a lot of the therapists we did see in the beginning all suggested medication for him. And I just was hoping actually I got a vision one time that this, um that this would provide the uh, like a sabbatical, like he can't afford to quit his job, but this would provide a sabbatical, like an oasis within mm-hmm. his life for him. So whether that, you know, was true or not, that's a vision I had at one time before it actually occurred.
7: I mean, it's like losing weight. You know when people, when they're not really happy and they're traumatized, they may lose weight or they get disorder, emotionally disorganized? And
6: you've both been doing that in a sense by going to these workshops. Uh, workshop. you been working on yourselves and working on the marriage. And uh, he's got internal problems, but he, he can't keep you hanging forever. So you have to decide where you're going to set the limit. You know, I'll give it six more months, and well,
1: exactly. You know, then, that's why I, that's why I'm calling in to find out if there's any clues that I don't know about. <laughs> well, like I
6: said, I feel three months
2: within a three-month period, he's going to step forward and want to work on the marriage. At that point, it's going to really be in your hands as okay. far as what you want to do with it. Feels to me that there's a lot of baggage here. It's going to be hard to tremendously um, change the you know the feel of the relationship, but. Um, Uh, It's going to be in your hands, Eileen. I mean, you're going to have the option if you want to give it a shot or not. My gut feeling is you will give it a shot. If it doesn't work out, you could always walk away. All right. All right. Well, we're running out of time, so thank you so much, Eileen.
3: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. So, yeah, we're running out of time, so I just want to quickly say – Rhonda, thank you so much. You were so helpful, not only in everything you, in your interview, but in the, answering the questions. Oh,
7: I'm so glad that I And I'm sure
3: Lady Fontaine and, and Dr. Cirillo are going to want you back again
7: for we further discussion
3: and, and for callers. And if you want to know more about our guest this evening, Rhonda Finling, please visit her website at rondafinling.com. F-I-N-D-L-I-N-G. And don't forget to visit Lady Fontaine's website at ladyfontaine.com to learn more about her or to schedule a private reading or life coaching session. Uh, Please visit our show page on Blog Talk Radio for details of all our co-hosts along with their contact information. And be sure to send your questions to mailbag at ladyfontaine.com to have your questions answered live on the air by Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo. Uh, Anything you want to say before we're done, Lady Fontaine? We just have a minute or so.
2: Yes, thank you to all our listeners and callers for inviting us into your homes and for sharing your life's experiences with us. We love hearing from you, and a very special thank you to Rhonda Findling for being here and for sharing her wonderful insight into men and relationships. Thank you to my co-hosts, Dr. Jean Cirillo, Frank Todaro, and Judy Zellman. Special thanks to Rachel Look, who did a great job in screening the calls. Um, If you guys are interested, call 718-508-9285 for Frank Tadero's The Invisible World. We'll see you next week. Thank you, everybody. Good night. And remember to reclaim you, and you'll reclaim the life you desire. Good night, all. Good night.
0: Good night.